0: They're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose Interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today.
1: You know what my favorite text is? A waypoint in the Onyx Hunt app to a goblin turkey. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com, that's M-A-U-I-N-U-I, venison.com, and use promo code BEAR for 20% off your first order. My name is Clay Newcomb, and this is a production of the Bear Grease podcast called the Bear Grease Render, where we render down, dive deeper, and look behind the scenes of the actual Bear Grease podcast, presented by FHF Gear, American-made, purpose-built hunting and fishing gear that's designed to be as rugged as the places we explore.
2: they would serve things this is no joke with like a little paper squeeze cup of cheese whiz (laughs) where was this (laughs) and i was just dumbfounded until and was gonna start making fun of it a little bit but until i looked around and everybody there was actively enjoying their cheese whiz now what were they putting the cheese whiz on all their breakfast items
1: what state was this?
2: Minnesota, Minnesota. Yeah,
1: up uh, northern Minnesota. So they didn't give you your own can; they gave you a like
2: a little individual squeeze paper thing full of cheese whiz. But they uh, were they making their own, or these mm. are like produced? I think they they were like craft supply. Oh, okay, oh
0: this yeah. is something. legitimate. Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> hey, this is a great cold open to the bear <laughs> render. Great, the great cheese whiz render. There. The cheese whiz, the cheese whiz render. Um, man, do we ever have an eclectic group of people here today? (laughs) You know, so I'm not going to introduce, you may have, you may have, you know, recognized their voices, but I'm not going to introduce you for a minute. I'm going to tell you guys, though, I've got to warn you that you will be scrutinized heavily by the original Bear Grease, Grease crew, okay? So my wife, Misty Newcomb, Brent Reeves, Josh Lambridge, spillmaker, gary believer newcomb that brent brent reeves is sharp yeah man he's sharp yeah well see i'm not saying the other people aren't so occasionally <laughs> just the way it works is occasionally if i'm traveling or something and i have a new bear grease render crew the next the next time i see all these people they're like ah you know they were okay or you they'll could, be like yeah that guy was this or that so i'm just warning you you okay? can wind
0: up in a somewhat like i think it might it might be like a somewhat postmodern situation or something where the render becomes about the render.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's <laughs> yeah. we've been accused of that. Actually, How, we've been accused of that. How about so the meta. original
2: Bear Grease crew? You only referred to as the Chicharons. <laughs> the they're cr- rend- well, Yeah, I, they're rendered uh, out, dude. I,
1: I think it would it would be the Cracklands. It's, it's crack-ons. more southern appropriate. No, that's right, the, the Cracklands. The, the yeah, there we go. No, I, <laughs> hey, it is fantastic to have a very new crew to my right, Phil Taylor. Hey, how's it going, Clay? Everybody would know Phil from the Meat Eater podcast, and if you don't, if you wouldn't know Phil from that, you would know Phil from all the incredible work he does on Bear Grease. Phil and I work on Bear Grease, you know, we coordinate together with how it's built, and so Phil Taylor, the sound engineer for Meat Eater.
0: Hello. he, he He gets like about a sentence in every podcast, but we have hundreds of them. Add up. There's paragraphs of mm-hmm. there's <laughs> On the media per- yeah, there's paragraphs of Phil. Of Phil. Impactful, you know <laughs> meaningful, Phil. We need to make a sizzle
1: reel of everything Phil says.
0: Uh, everything Phil has ever said strung out. I yeah. do
1: not want to hear that. <laughs>
0: well, well, you, you, well, I tell you, Phil, you'd have to be the one that makes it. Uh, yeah, I know.
1: It's never going to happen. <laughs> well, w- what I, I've learned from being around Phil, when he does speak, it's noteworthy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, yeah, I, yeah. I,
3: I try. I don't like it when people talk too much at me, so I try not to talk too much
1: at them. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) I get it. (laughs) Don't talk at me. Yeah, (laughs) to your right, Ryan Callahan. Man, this is uh, it's an honor to have you here, brother. Hey, I've been looking forward to this. So, Steve, Ryan, and I have really never done much together. Of all the meat eater people, I've you know traveled a lot with Giannis, with you. I've actually wondered about that. Yeah, we've never, we've just never crossed paths much, and so you guys getting along okay? Yeah, man. You know, It's probably because if you got me to Arkansas, I wouldn't come back.
2: You
0: know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, we're brothers from another mother. You can tell by the stashes. <laughs> yeah. And he's I'm- got mules.
2: He's got gardens. He's got uh, lots of uh, fishing and hunting opportunity.
1: It's a pretty sweet deal right out your front door. Yeah, yeah. it is. To your right, Steve Ranella, Man, now you are, uh, you're a regular on bear grease i'm gonna call you a regular if you're if you've been on there more than twice that's fair so uh but good to have you on the render so the render for those for those who might not know the structure of the podcast it's a little bit different so we have and this isn't for you guys this is for people out there i try every now and then to kind of tell what's going on so the bear grease podcast is our documentary style podcast with a very specific target and we we Really dive in deep with multiple guests and and voiceover and soundscapes and really do it up. The Bear Grease Render is what you're hearing here, with, which is us talking about the previous week's Bear Grease podcast. So if this is your first time to listen to Bear Grease, you know, go back one and you'll hear what we're going to talk about today, which is the Jerry Clower episode.
0: But yeah, like the, the Bear Grease podcast is like all the really informed crack stuff. Pretty much, and then you do this, and it's it's things that uh, weren't well thought enough to make it into that.
1: Yeah, and you have you. I, I I would imagine you have some suggestions for the Jerry Clower podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. I I'm I'm very I anticipate these. To your right, our last guest and. A, much of an honor to have you here, Corinne oh, thank Schneider. Thank you,
4: Clay. Thank you.
1: And you would, a lot of you would know Corinne from the Meat Eater podcast as well. Your first time on Bear Grease. It so. is my first time. Yeah. So, Corinne is, uh, tell us what you do, Corinne.
4: Uh, I produce the Meat Eater podcast. So, a lot of pre interviews and setting up the agenda of talking points. Yeah. And transitions.
1: Yep. <laughs> Keeping Steve in line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay,
4: before tracking we get people into,
1: down. I I, wanna, I learned there's two things that you don't bring up in the, just in life, this week on my Instagram. OK? There's certain topics that if you bring them up on Instagram, it's just going to be problems for you. Number one, beekeeping they're <laughs> okay oh really those people are touchy <laughs> yeah. they are very touchy very yeah, different direction oh, than I thought I need thought to add ahead. that wow. to the long list of touchy enthusiast groups is it okay. worse
4: than like the
1: the people that like the dog the, within, yeah oh. oh man okay <laughs> so I've got two things the beekeeping thing is something that happened a long time ago but I, I quickly saw that it fit into the thing that I did this week that may have been a mistake but beekeeping Misty has a couple of beehives yeah. and we're in She's an amateur, she knows it. Uh, Last year sometime, I thought it was pretty cool. She was pulling out some of the screens and looking at honey. So I took a video, put it on my Instagram. Biggest mistake of my life. Beekeepers, holy moly. (laughs) They can look at a three-second video clip and like look into your soul to tell you why (laughs) you know you're bad at life, bad at bees, bad at holy.
0: If you get a second, I'd like to speak to that to the touchy enthusiast audience.
1: Well, let me tell you the next uh, one. uh, uh. That's probably it's close. Hoof trimming. Oh, of mules yeah, Sh- oh, wow. shoot farrier stuff but I oh,
0: saw God. that thing and
1: I was like look like he knew what he was doing well so did I Steve <laughs> <laughs> man no I I, I I am not a I'll, I'll tell you my full experience with trimming and, and I put my shoes on mules I don't shoe them very often but you know when I got mules I started paying farriers to come to your house and it's 150 bucks and you gotta do it every 6 to 8 weeks and no. you sit there. Oh yeah, man, it's a big deal. I didn't know it was that. Fr- I knew I thought it was a couple times a year. Oh, it, typically it d-
2: depends on who you are. Typically six <laughs> eight
1: weeks. Like in, in in talking to the farriers, they're like because I when the first guy started coming out and their farriers are always great people. They really are. I've never met a farrier I didn't like. They got to deal with a lot of people. They do, and they're just you can't fake out a horse or a mule. Mm. Like you just kind of have to be legit and they seem yeah, and to, they're always like one through. kick away from being mentally disabled and most of them have been kicked yeah and bad, God, this, backs. Guy, so bad this guy it's a back profession he told me he said clay i said do i really need to you know shod this at the time i had a horse actually don't tell anybody i ever owned a horse uh, and i had a horse and i was like <laughs> do i really do i really need this shoe this thing every six weeks and he just said clay people that are really dialed in on their in their equine business Absolutely, shoe every six to eight weeks, and so I said okay. But he he basically <clears throat> just showed me what he was doing, and I watched him two or three times, and I was like, I think I can do that. And he was like, Heck yeah, you can do it. And he just showed me how to do it, and so I started doing it. Primarily, not even financially as much as it's a pain in the rear to schedule somebody to come six weeks in advance to your house, and you know you may not be there when they show up because you forgot about it or something. Mm-hmm. So I started trimming trimming my mule feet which if you're if you're running them on rocks and rough stuff the feet kind of trim down on their own but uh man I put up that little video just because I thought it was kind of cool and you know apparently I was using the knife backwards which I mean come on
2: there's a sharp side there, and well the dull side. There, there's, there's,
1: <laughs> there's 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 a, a right-handed and a left-handed hoof knife and I I had two of them there and I just I mean I just pick up whichever one's closest. And it, it doesn't seem to be a limiting factor in the, in what I'm doing, but uh, oh man, they went off on me pretty good. So, yeah. So are you aware
2: of uh Dr. Pimple Popper?
4: Oh man. No.
2: Okay. This is a huge <laughs> thing for some people. I, I cannot stand it, but it, it's, uh, it's like, I, what know it sounds. Who, I know
0: who Cal's referring
4: to. And,
2: and, 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 and it's a huge following, but the same, and it's on people, right? And this, persons or persons or whatever. They're plucking hairs. They're popping zits. They're, they're doing
4: spaghetti, squeezing it out.
2: There's very gnarly <laughs> stuff, but this whole thing also exists in the agriculture community to where mm. you can watch these lengthy videos with millions of views of people working on abscess jaws, you know, mm. pus—you know, getting all the pus out of an abscess jaw. Uh, and then doctoring feet is a big thing thing oh really Yep. yeah and so these people and we're talking right. about horses here just to be clear correct we're talking about the, the whole gamut of, of hooved
1: animals of hooved Got animals okay. yep
2: yep and so that's who you're dealing with okay so you you just hold your head up high And know that you're dealing with a bunch of people with weird foot fetishes. (laughs) Okay? And at the base
1: of their complaints,
2: they just want to see
1: more clay. (laughs) That is probably (laughs) the best advice I've had. And I I know that there are very professional ways, but to do stuff. Here's my pretty strong philosophy that I have in life, though. That has worked out okay for me, is that if you take your instruction from the absolute experts in any field... And you, and they set the bar for entry for you. You will likely be intimidated and never even get into that. Like I'm, I am a master at very few things, but good enough at a quite a bit of stuff. And trimming trimming mule feet would be one of the things that I'm not a master at, but good enough, you know. And uh, there's so much that I think people get hung up. In the details that really aren't the limiting factor of their entry point into something, sure. yeah. In yeah. the bars, a lot lower, and but obviously you're going to go to the experts to learn how to do stuff. You see what I'm saying?
2: Yeah, it, it, it it's a paralysis of of fear, right? They're like, oh, I'm going to make a mistake, so I'm not even going to try. Yeah, and you got to try. Yeah, some. I mean, you got to get in there some way and do it. And in your case, man, if if you uh, got in a situation where you, where you, you go a little too thin yeah. and then all of a sudden you got a bum foot on your mule, you're going to feel like crap and you're going to be ultra
1: careful. But it's not well, it's not going to lead they, into this. They call that quicken a horse or a mule. Cutting it the quick. I, I've done it one time. And and Izzy just had a sore foot for about two weeks. And, it, yeah, I learned right. from it. And like you look you get at that too deep, and you're like, you it makes me sad. Yeah. Right?
2: Right, yeah. and you're way more careful the next time. But it's, the world didn't end.
1: Yep, didn't have to shoot the mule. Didn't have to. Right, Steve. What are your thoughts on this? These type of these type of people that like are, the
0: enthusiast groups. Yeah, sensitive, touchy enthusiast groups. Yeah, I'm less excited about telling you now that you gave the farrier example because I would not put farriers in the touchy okay. enthusiast group gotcha. thing. But a lot of things like like beekeeping. Now this is going to insult all your beekeepers out there. Now that opposed to beekeeping. In fact, me and my you brother like some honey. me and my brother Danny one time saw a uh, bee tree open, which is probably bad. But we were clearing <laughs> a lot. We were clearing a lot saw the bee tree open. Tree had to go anyway.
1: Mm. Did you get the honey?
0: Well, kind of <laughs> it's we got of the it's, It was it was a ma- we didn't do it like we didn't get like a centrifuge out and like get it yeah. out, but we dabbled.
1: Yeah.
2: Had some bar and chain oil in there. <laughs> <Some> bar- <laughs> so, yeah, it was like we
0: were in high school. <laughs> um Anyways, it is, apologies to everyone. It's like a little trendy to have some bees. Sure. So, uh, well, why do you think we have them? So, it's like a new thing. And you have people that pr- previously probably didn't have a strong identity. And now they've found an identity. Okay? They found an identity. Um, They used to just be like a person that they're like, they have some shows they like, and they like to drink certain things. (laughs) And all of a sudden they get like, they identify. Like they make 20 batches of beer, and all of a sudden now they have an identity. Right. And it impacts them deeply. When you're getting that kind of feedback, you're getting feedback from people who've made a new identity. So you don't
3: think any of these comments are coming from people who have been keeping bees for decades maybe and are gatekeeping and kind of like, nope, stay out of my lane. No, if you
0: had, if you, let's say you had a video where you're like, here's how I've decided to um, feed lot cattle. This is how I'm going to fatten my cattle. Do you think that a guy who's been in the cattle fattening business for six generations, biggest cattle fattener in Kansas is he going to care? Is he going to be like, no, Clay, I find it when I'm fattening cattle. No. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be. He's just like, he's like, I don't, who cares? He's like, this is <laughs> a guy that's going
4: to fail and my cattle. It's like the world's full of world.
0: people who don't know how to fatten cattle.
3: You know, I'm not going to go into detail, but yesterday we uh, were discussing a uh, plan to get Steve uh, an alternate identity on the internet just yes. so he can make comments like these.
0: Because I have to. Yeah. But here's the thing, too. And <laughs> then I'm done. I'm done with this whole thing. Last, yesterday, uh, our dinner guest, dinner mate, whatever you call him, was saying how uh, online haters are always unsuccessful.
1: Mm. They're
0: unsuccessful and unfulfilled in some way.
1: I wonder, I like statements like this. Because it makes that, you like, feel good. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> I, 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 I like like definitive statements that probably aren't entirely true. Mm-hmm. But that statement well, i mean i guess you have to define what successful is but yeah it 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 people hating on the internet it's a tough it's a tough crowd to diagnose in terms of like what's their motivation
2: you guys want to hear a quick t-shirt idea let's do it okay uh honeybee sitting there uh on chunk of clover maybe with <laughs> a bird dog on full point on the honeybee trimming a mule foot and it says, uh, and it says, S T E, sensitive, touchy, enthusiast.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, I like it. I like it. I like it. Well, I just thought I would bring that up because uh, I've, I'm going to keep trimming my mule feet. I've got to. Just got no choice, Corinne. Yeah, so just do
4: you, it. Put it out there.
2: I imagine you got you got like the the stall for holding their feet up and stuff, so you're not just bent over the whole time. No, right?
1: man, I, I'm just uh, I, I'm doing like a lot of farriers do. Just put it up in between your legs and work it. A lot you know, of farriers have bad backs, buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't. It's not like I'm doing it every day, you know. Right. Once every couple of months.
0: You know but what, the, Clay? I got to tell you one last thing about that. That I saw that video. And are
4: you going to join the criticism? No, no. Oh, okay.
0: I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, like I have zero opinions on the subject other than that. Like I have two friends that do that, but I never watched them do it. Yeah. But uh, I was watching and it looked to me such confidence and fluidity that I thought it must not be you. Oh, really? Oh, I man. thought it must be you filming your farrier. I At first I was like, Oh, Clay's doing this to a horse's foot. And then uh, I was like, ah, I can't be Clay. He's never said about how he's never said he's like way into that. And I was well, like, I appreciate beer. Beer.
1: Man, if you watched, if you watched a, a real farrier, they would, they would be like so much more. And that's what the guys that were hacking on me. One guy was like, yeah, I remember what my first beer was like. That was his literal quote. Like, no. like he could say like, <sighs> yeah, you hadn't done this that much, which is true. Right. I mean, like you know,
4: the, the tone of the convert, you know, the tone of the comment, like maybe a be different if it were I'm, just like some I'm looking, some Instagram, pointers. I'm looking for
1: something a little more encouraging.
4: Yeah, exactly. Guys, like <laughs> some pointers, maybe some, you know, education. Just, maybe you don't just need to keep your them. mouth shut. <laughs> well, that, that
2: is my favorite part, though. It's like if you are the authority, here is a beautiful opportunity to interact with a bunch of people and give them something to go home with out of the the whole depth of experience that you have packed into your brain but instead what you say is go f yourself <laughs> right <laughs> and it's like oh so is that going to make people gravitate towards your intelligence yeah. to come find you the authority on this subject it's like no. nope nope nobody wants to, to interact yep. with you
4: nobody wants mm. to have your uh, grump spread around
2: right meanwhile so leave it be clay who's not the uh, the end point of experience on the uh, the hoof trimming scale is going to have a line out the front door because he's a nice person. He's going to take the time to talk to you. Sick.
1: My wife thinks hoof trimming is extremely gross. Why? She, oh, she just uh, she watched me do it one time and uh-huh. it does smell like it like, has a smell. Like- it's not a necessarily a bad smell. It's just a distinct. Like, like hoof, like kind of like when you toenail, like,
4: nail. Yeah, burnt.
1: like when you like grind a bone burnt hair. or cut bone with a saw, you have that bone smell. It's kind of like that, but um, uh,
0: uh, real real quick, you don't, you need to sh- you need to shod horses when they're like particularly when they're going to be traveling on rocky ground, right? Um, go back to the American West two hundred years ago, where people are traveling long distances they're away from any kind of settlement civilizations are they just not doing it
4: i mean obviously the the
0: the the, the, like the uh horse mounted plains indian hunters were riding unshot horses sure but they're on rocky ground that's a
1: that's a that is a question that i've never really heard someone concisely answer but i'll tell you my understanding of it in modern times the modern breeding of our horses they pretty much have to be shod if they're going to be used extensively just the hoof structure they just stay together their feet stay together so much better if they're shod like so I, those guys might have just burned them out quicker yep i think so and you know i mean if you're talking about the plains indians and the horses that they had i mean they were Consciously or unconsciously, selectively breeding for animals that had strong hooves, mm-hmm. you know. But obviously, wild horses didn't weren't shod. But you know, there are some horses that I mean can't even walk through a flat pasture without shoes on. And uh, and it's just their their like foot me. structure. Yeah, just like just being, like
0: us being from the north. There's
1: yeah. also uh, you know some people say if you never shoe them. You know, you don't you kind of by shoeing them, you're creating a process that you have to continue, kind of like us wearing shoes. Like if you never wore yeah. shoes, you wouldn't need shoes. There's a fine line, and a lot of it has to do with the specifics of that animal. But that's also one of the reasons I love mules is for what I do with mules, I pretty much never have to shoe them. Now, I was in Arizona two weeks ago with Warner Glenn out there, and they have to shod their mules all the time just because they're walking on. Uh, Malpa, Malpais, volcanic rock all the time, constantly. So, I mean, there, Warner told me, he said, yeah, mule, you could ride an unshod mule in this country for one day and then you'd have to put it up in a stall for two days and then you could ride it again on the fourth day, you know. And so they shoe them all and don't have any trouble. Hmm. But, yeah, the whole shoeing thing's pretty wild. That's really interesting. Yeah. You yeah. do read some stuff about,
2: like, rawhide um, foot protection. For, for horses back in the day,
1: that's a tr- that's a real thing. I,
2: I've read some references to it, yeah. but I don't know. But I think the burnout factor is a a huge one because you read about the size of the horse herds for a lot of the plains tribes were immense.
0: Mm. Yeah,
2: you know, immense, immense. So I don't, I don't, I don't think anybody was our our idea of having an animal like that's my go to. I don't think right. was a thing. Yeah.
1: Man, I got to say this before we start talking about Jerry Clower, D- bringing up Warner Glenn and mules. Warner Glenn, 86 years old, lives in Arizona, cowboy, dry ground line hunter. Uh, w- we hunted with him for four days. And in the on the first day, we rode in stuff that was the most treacherous, like a wildest Mule stuff I've ever been in, pretty much by far. And you're going out with this 86 year old man, and you think I'd never ridden with him extensively. So I was like, we're probably gonna kind of go easier places, just based upon the man's age. And th- there were a bunch of us because there was a crew there. And at one point, the dogs went over this big mountain, and Warner said, "Okay, y'all go around, and me and Clay are gonna go just follow the dogs." And so we went up something that was just wildly steep, boulders, limbs, just it was the most treacherous half mile of mule riding I've ever done. That night when we got back home over dinner, I said, I said, Mr. Warner, on a scale of one to 10, one being riding down a gravel, flat gravel road, 10 being the absolute hardest mule ride you've ever done in your life what did we do today? And he said, oh, I was about an eight or a nine. <laughs> <laughs> he said, "If he said the reason being, if it was any worse, you just couldn't have gone. And what he said to me, and I'll never forget it, and, and I kind of would have known this, but him, by him saying it, it kind of stamped it on me. He just said, if your mule will go, just ride it and go. He said, your mule will tell you when it's too much. And I mean, pretty much you're limited by just where that animal will go. If you spur it and it goes, it's not going to get itself into a situation that's going to hurt it. Now it could hurt you. You could fall off. You could get raked off by a limb. You could, you know, bad stuff could happen to you, but that animal's going to be all right. So it was a pretty, pretty exciting time. So Uh, you you can't spur a mule off a cliff's edge. That's right. That's why they're, that's, that's their whole thing. Uh, Have you done much uh, riding at night? A little bit, not probably not as much as uh, some of these guys coming way back from backcountry.
2: Yeah, I mean that's that's a wild, wild thing, man. It's not like, having your light on. Yeah, so you don't don't have your headlamp on, so the the mule can see better, and yeah, you get that like feeling of floating sometimes, and mm. you're just like super dark nights, and cross rivers, up and down drainages, and they all all they're doing is heading for home and they kind of quicken up the pace the closer you get and it, it's it's pretty wild yeah but you get some real real confidence in them yeah but there's also those zones with low hanging branches yeah, yeah that's
1: that's treacherous Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame when you use code BEAR, B-E-A-R, BEAR. That's AuraFrames.com. Use code BEAR at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Montana Knife Company was founded by Josh Smith one of the world's most experienced master bladesmiths. He's been making knives for 30 years. Made in the USA and manufactured locally in Montana. The knives come with a multi-generational warranty and free sharpening. Designed, tested, and built by hunters, MKC is a hunting knife company first and foremost. They have the sharpest knives out of the box and the easiest knives to sharpen, and that is the dadgum truth. You better be careful with them when you get them. They are sharp. MKC is a fast-growing company. They just hired their 55th employee and are looking to hire about 50 more in the next year or so. I've carried a lot of these Montana knives, and the one that I like the most is their Speed Goat, which is a lightweight Hunting knife, just the right size. MKC knives sell out within minutes of being released. So head over to MontanaKnifeCompany.com. They have new knives for sale every Thursday at 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. So check their website and sign up for their text and email alerts. That is the best way to find out when they have knives available. Use code BEARGREASE10 for 10% off your first order. Montana Knife Company, working knives for working people. The old-timers say that the turkeys start gobbling when the leaves are as big as squirrel's ears and the red buds start popping. And we're about there. And we are there in the south. The Onyx Hunt app is one of my most valuable tools in the spring woods. With tools like coniferous versus deciduous tree distribution layer, you can save time by locating edges or transition areas of mixing habitats from home. Find an area like this with water in close proximity And more than likely, there will be a goblin turkey nearby. Knowing the exact boundaries of private ground ensures I stay on the right side of the fence, but can easily find public ground to go see if I can't strike a gobbler. If you do get one to sound off, using compass mode and waypoints will help you pinpoint his exact location, allowing you to move in and make the perfect setup to bring him right into your lap. Download the Onyx Hunt app today. You'll be glad you did. Onyx has a special offer for you. Use code BEARGREASE to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt this spring. Speaking of mules, Jerry Clower loved mules. He was uh, That was a Corinne Schneider transition. transition right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, was, uh, he was big into mules. Odell him a mule? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He had, he, had the, uh, he had the one where he was with a uh, New York City music executive and he shot the mule, Uncle Versi's mule. He was- Laid by 26 crops with her. Yeah, like that, yeah, know. yeah. No, okay, so we've been, <laughs> we've been doing a two-part series on the cultural impact of the book, Where the Red Fern Grows. And the way that I described it was, it was that one time that coon hunting, this super niche, small scale, Hunting related thing did a three sixty slam dunk on pop culture and made them love it. All right, and that's the truth. I mean that that book is just so widespread to this day, used across the country in urban areas. I always thought it was kind of a regional phenomena because you know I live about an hour from Tahlequah where that book happened. So we we did that. Somebody wrote me and and I, I got to give him credit and I don't even know who it was and said, hey, you got to do something on Jerry Clower. And I don't want to we could get into the details of how I know about Jerry Clower, which we will. We will. Steve has a few things to say about it. Whether you that. like it or not. But very quickly, what I what I so the render, part of the render is seeing behind the scenes of the Bear Grease podcast. We didn't have this planned out for a long time. If we had, I'd have had my friend Steve Ronella talk about Jerry Clower, because apparently he's an expert on Jerry Clower. Um we put this together relatively quickly. Huh. And so my friend Isaac Neal who who helps me with some burgery stuff i was in arizona and i said isaac when i come home on monday i've got to have an expert about jerry clower that i have, i mean i've got to get a audio recording in like 2 days from when i get home when i got he he was messaging me and what he he he, he scoured the internet called jerry's old manager and couldn't get in touch with him and so he called the 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 city council office of Liberty, Mississippi, hmm. calls him on the phone, city council, and he tells them, hey, we're trying to find a Jerry Clower expert. They give him the cell phone number of the mayor of Liberty, Mississippi, which he calls and leaves a message with the mayor of Liberty, Mississippi. Within three hours, he gets a call from, from John Newman, Jerry Clower's neighbor, from East Fork, Mississippi. That's some good So Jerry lived there. in East Fork, <laughs> and uh, and so so Isaac's like Clay. We got Jerry Clower's neighbor, and I hadn't talked to John, so I I didn't know much about him. I said, you know, what's he like? Is he is he excited to do this? Like, what's the extent of his knowledge of Jerry? And you know, he said, man, he seems pretty legit, pretty excited. And so I called John and just a uh, deep. Southern accent, just like Jerry, you know, I find these regions have obviously like a, a Mississippi, Mississippi accent would sound a certain way. If you're from Arkansas, you sound a certain way, but it's very regional. One time, Steve, you'd like this story. When I was in college, the first day of some big college class, when you're in this big auditorium, I sat down in a seat and I heard a guy, two chairs behind me talking and I turned around, but I didn't look at it. I didn't know who he was. I turned around and I said, you're from Gurdon, Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> and he was from Gurdon, <laughs> Arkansas. And I'd recognized his accent in a heartbeat because I had a friend from Gurdon, Arkansas. Just immediately I picked it up. I say that to say the, the, the accent of the South is varied, extremely varied. and but Not when you're a Yankee. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) maybe so, maybe so. You're from down there. Yeah, yeah. No, I I see what you're saying. But East Fork, Mississippi, it it was eight hours from my house, so I drove to East Fork, Mississippi and met John Newman. And uh, can I give just a little bit of color commentary? Yeah. uh, uh, Liberty, Mississippi,
2: 728 would be the population. So the mayor is... Uh, the mayor of what is known as a micropolitan area.
4: <laughs> <laughs> 12 miles east
1: of Macomb, Mississippi. I think Macomb, Mississippi, as Jerry says it, is the is the big town. Um, but Liberty is the county seat of Amity. Nope. A-Mit. a will oh, yep. they'll, they'll nail you. Oh, a River Swamps. a A-mit River. <laughs> A-M-I-T-E. Yeah. Em- emphasis on the A. Yeah, A-mit. A-Mit River. I love it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. A, lot, a lot of Jerry Clower stuff takes place in the Amet River Swamp. Yes.
1: Yeah. So Steve, what was what's your connection to Jerry Clower?
0: You know, I thought about it long and hard after. Uh, well, can I first tell my problem? Yes. My problem is I, <laughs> I, 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 I like, right when I knew you liked hunting raccoons, I was telling you, y'all listen to Jerry Clower. Y'all listen to Jerry Clower. Now I listen. Now, did you think I, I was listening to Jerry Clower before you were born? <laughs> so
2: you remember fact, when you were talking about bees <laughs> and just the same? So the fact
0: that the fact that you would do the Jerry Clower thing and and not even and I would have to find out about it through Phil. <laughs> <laughs> I can see how that'd be really hurtful. <laughs> so I'll tell you the first. Okay. I thought about it like, what was my initial Jerry Clower touch point? It was this. I could actually put, I, I could go back home and conduct some interviews, and I could probably find out the exact year because I know where my bus stop was at the time. My bus stop was one mile from my house, and it was. Can you do this in a Jerry Clower <laughs> style? Kay. One
1: mile from.
0: <laughs> I will. <laughs> It was you need, you
1: need three compass directions. Uh-huh. One
0: mile east of where Duff Road and Strail Road came together. Okay. It was yeah, I could do all that.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, could, you could if you had time. Triangulation.
0: It was, uh, we had to walk that far to the bus stop because they, they, need, they needed to have a certain amount of visual clearance down the roads, and apparently, so for a while they moved our bus stop to a horrible faraway spot. Mm. Reason I say this, I heard a Jerry Clower story, and it was the one he tells about the little boy out on a moped or something. And a brand new, I can't remember what car, like some sports car pulls up next to him. And the little boy is like, so curious about the car, the owner of the car rolls the window down and the boy's got his nose in there and he's smelling the new leather and he's just so blown away. And the light turns green and the motorist decides to impress the little boy and just gun it out of the intersection. So he peels rubber out of the intersection, heads down the road, and a while later, in his rearview mirror, he sees this little boy overtaking him on the moped, and boom, passed him. And a little while later, he comes back the other direction, boom, passes him. And while they're here, he sees him coming again, he's like, how is that boy going that fast? And smash into the car. And the guy gets out, and he's like, oh, is there anything I can do for you? I'm so, And he's like, yes, sir, you can unhook my suspenders. <laughs> 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 from the rear from the side uh, view mirror so uh, <laughs> uh and i remember going down to the bus stop you were tickled by that one when you yeah were, i remember going down to that bus years stop old if at it was that bus stop in that spot and telling people about it and what it was was my mom had been raised in 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 a, a farm area outside of chicago that became like a, now it's like a big sub chicago subdivision naperville i think uh she's a wgn listener because she liked chicago cubs even when she moved four or five hours away from chicago up into michigan she would do anything possible to try to get wgn so i grew up with wgn always playing she liked the the cubs games all that clower used to go so this would have been in the i was born in 74 this has been like late 70s early 80s clower would go on wgn and tell a story now and then no one like we knew about him no one knew about him Hmm. as as a point it wasn't like a thing it was like we had a very like specific entry into clower but we liked him a lot Hmm. so we probably had the eight tracks at a time but we had like jerry clower cassette tapes in the car, and my parents would find this stuff and buy it, and we would listen to Clower. And then, even in all through like high school, all through college, within my like immediate group of friends, uh, we would make Clower references all the time. Really? Yeah. If we were describing a tree, that did, you'd be like, there wasn't a limb on it for a while. <laughs> right? Yeah. And like, we had all these Clower jokes we would run. Hmm. Later, when I was in graduate school, this guy, there's this novelist from Mississippi named Larry Brown, from Oxford, Mississippi, and he kind of like took me under his wing a little bit, and we became buddies. We'd go drinking together and stuff. He he actually passed away early, had a heart attack when he was young. Um, I was like, oh, one day we're just talking, and I said to Larry Brown, I'm like, you're from Mississippi. Have you ever heard of the guy, Jerry Clower? Not only that, he hung out with Jerry Clower. Mm. And that's what made me think that you, like the Mississippi people, Southern people, whatever, like somehow all know each other.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. And Larry Brown would talk about how he, he, he was friends with Jerry, would talk about how Jerry had a rule for himself that he wouldn't tell a story on stage, on a radio show, that he wouldn't stand, that he wouldn't feel comfortable standing up in front of his church and telling. Yeah. And what well, Clower died in 98. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't too terribly much longer th- that uh Larry Brown died. Hmm. Um, but that was the first person outside of my immediate circle that I ever encountered
1: that knew who that guy was. Hmm. So, so my biggest question was how big of a national phenomena Jerry Clower was because he was on the Grand Ole Opry, which would have had you know a national presence, but he was. I talked to uh, Dr. Brooks Blevins, who is kind of a Ozarks regional expert, and I just kind of pitched an email to him, like, "Hey, do you know anything about Jerry Clower?" He knows quite a bit about other Southern cultural-related stuff, and his comment to me was that he felt like Clower was kind of a regional phenomena, and and you know he he acknowledged that he would have been known at the wider scale, but you know obviously the the hub of his Mm-hmm. Uh, the hub of sure. his, his base was clearly the South. But Clower also talked about traveling up in the Northeast and, and telling stories. He actually, in, in one of the books, uh, he has a book called Stories from Home, and it really was just a transcription of a big, long interview they did with him. And he talked about when he was in the South, he could tell stories just real freely without explanation of stuff. Sure. And when he was anywhere else... He would his stories would be longer because he would say something like boiled okra and he would have to qualify it. Be yeah, like, or, the ra- or the
0: raccoon tapped a tree. Yeah. Then he got where he had to explain the terms for everybody.
1: Well, it, just hearing you say that you, I mean, I was surprised. I actually considered texting you that week that we were building this, which was just last week, and, and I was going to say, do you know who Jerry Clower is? And I, I do remember, <laughs> I remember now you telling me that. Yeah, yeah, I do remember you telling that.
0: If you want to get, if you want to increase the number, like, you could might say to someone, "Do you know who Jerry Clower is?" They're gonna say no. Then say to him this: Imagine back to when you were a kid. Do you remember a magic bait commercial, in which a man said, "It'll fling a craven on him." (laughs) Speaking of magic, you the use of magic bait will fling a craven on the catfish that is jerry clower
1: so he did a commercial for
0: that yeah. company and it was like magic bait it'll fling a craven on him that's jerry <laughs> that was jerry clower's voice mm. and that'll get a lot a lot of people will be like oh yeah i remember that yeah it'd be like if you uh, you remember the guy the milk guy verne and all that what the hell is that guy's name i don't remember yeah you can say like hey do you remember
1: his name people i wasn't like, born when a lot of your life happened <laughs>
2: It sounds so funny too, because what you're talking about, <laughs> well, the intersection of the 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 core demographic, and, and where that core demographic overlaps with the magic catfish bait group. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think you may be giving it too much credit. As to, oh, because of the widespread phenomenon. That that, <laughs> was, yeah, <laughs> that had six people.
1: Yeah. 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 <laughs> Um, uh, i
2: got a, a buddy in in alabama who is just like your classic soft-spoken storytelling dude and his he knows that he just did giant repertoire of jerry clower stories but he and he'll just like slow roll them out for you you know and, and they're they're first person stories right and so after the very first one, you're like, oh, I get it. This is not your story. Mm-hmm. It's just a good story. Uh, but there's a great one about this kind of well-to-do gentleman. He's out there squirrel hunting, not doing very good. And here comes this this boy up the road who's just obviously uh, from, a, from a, a lower class society, right? Other side of the tracks. And he's got uh, a bunch of squirrels hanging from his belt. But no, this is a Clower
1: story. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: no gun or anything, and and he said, "Oh, son, looks like you're doing pretty good." He says, "Oh, yes, yes, sir, yes, sir." You know, all the Clower stories are like very polite and uh, talks. You know, addresses the squirrel the squirrels on the kid's belt after giving him a spare apple, and they're they're talking about uh the squirrel season and he says, well, son, I see you don't have a gun. He says, no, sir, I, I uh, use a sling or, or just slings rocks. He, at said, he said, I just
1: chuck rocks, just at him.
2: chuck rocks at him. Yeah. And and pretty soon a squirrel presents itself. And 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 the guy says, son, why don't, why don't you take a crack at that thing? And so I think like left handed, he wings a rock up there, knocks a squirrel off the tree and ties another squirrel to his belt. And the, the gist of the story is, is like, oh man, I, I, and you're like, you're a lefty to boot or something like that. And the kid's like, oh no, sir. My, my, uh, Papa won't let me use my right hand. I beat him up too much.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he said, he said his, he had those squirrels tucked up under his belt and it looked like a squirrel hula skirt. <laughs>
4: That's what he said. Yeah.
1: You know, I, 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 it had been a long time since I'd listened to Jerry Clower. And when I was driving to Amit County, Mississippi, I listened to him nonstop. On on Spotify and Amazon Music, they have Jerry Clower's Greatest Hits. They have um Possums Peaches and Possums. Mm-hmm. So there's different albums. And then they have Clower Power. So there's three albums. There's, and, well, there's some deep cuts on Spotify too, though. Or maybe
0: No. I, you can find some deep cuts maybe on YouTube. But I feel like there's
1: some deep cuts on Spotify. When you say there's there's more, is that what you're saying? Yeah, like
0: hidden gems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Deep
1: cuts is like a term for
0: stuff no one knows about. B-sides, okay. B-sides and music, I, yeah. I,
1: I was actually kind of surprised to find it so easily on these main platforms. It's amazing that it's out there. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I listened I to a all the way I bet if you went and asked the guys at Spotify,
0: uh, I bet they're not aware. If you went to the, if you met like the CEO of Spotify, I'm really, you know, appreciate you guys got some clower up there i doubt going to be like oh yeah that was a He's real
1: like, yeah, negotiation yep. yes. <laughs> <laughs> decision from plans. the top <laughs> yeah
2: all the way from the top um i i, I think it's, it's all those stories are are, are so like wholesome mm. that yeah that it's it's due for a resurgence right like all i do is read up to date like periodical all all day every day and it's, it's amazing. Like how stories like that now trigger such an emotional response because everything else, like you have to suck all the emotion out of it just to get through and be like, Oh, bunch of people dying, but you know, the environment getting destroyed. Uh, 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 uh. And then you're like, ah oh, he's actually right handed. <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> I love it. I love it.
1: You know, I, there, there were a couple of things that, uh, that did stand out to me. I never really thought, I would have never thought of Clower as intentionally like a clean comedian. I mean, like we just listened to him and it's just kind of like who he was. You didn't compare him up against somebody who was different than him. Clower overlapped with George Carlin, Richard Pryor. Okay, oh, right. Yeah. I mean, folks that that started, yeah. mm-hmm.
2: they, they, they
1: were the ones who started cussing. Like in college. shock humor. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I I appreciated well going back in and reading his, and I don't know if it's the most in depth, but you know that book Stories from Home. Like he made a very intentional decision, and I said it on the podcast. Cause I, I I value stuff like that when somebody has a has a strategy that is against the trend, and they just do that strategy. And he he said that some of somebody a Hollywood exec or somebody that was you know over him said, Hey man, you're, you're going to have to be more risque if you want to be nationally known. And in his words, quote, he said, I defied them, you know, and he, uh, and he just stuck with who he was, you know, he mm. didn't, he, did, he didn't let it change him. And yeah, that, that's exactly. what I appreciate is he, he didn't let it change him. And man, that is what, I, you know, I talked to John Newman for like two hours and you probably heard maybe 26 minutes of John Newman talking about Jerry And the main thing that he wanted to tell me was just what an incredible guy Jerry was just Mm -hmm. as a neighbor and a friend and the things he would do for you in private. So, I mean, he was just this genuine guy, but clearly a a comedic genius. And, and what I, I asked John, I said, I said, do you think Jerry was, and I knew the answer to this. I just kind of wanted to see what he would say. I said, how was Jerry influenced by the people around him? And, I know the answer because I know the way that I talk and tell stories is a hundred percent. I mean, I could track you. I could point it back to the people and different things that I do. That I mean, it's not like I'm trying to imitate them. Just you hear someone talk or you hear someone tell a story, and it just that communication style you identify with it and then you kind of adopt it in.
0: Yes, and it, you, you and recognize it, that it's like, it's
1: effective. It's an, it's an effective way. Yeah. It's a and even, even a cultural way to do something. And so you create this, you know, inside of your personality and the way you communicate, you tell stories. Man, Jerry had to have been surrounded by some big characters down there in the south john didn't really he you know he just said you know a lot of jerry's stuff was just natural and which it certainly was and he kind of came up with his own unique style but man i guarantee you those guys down there that's they told stories like that and the other thing and i i'd like to hear you guys thoughts on it jerry is the one who said he said i'm not a comedian uh, well, no, no. No, no he no. said I no, don't. No, no. So, somebody said Jerry wasn't as much a, a comedian as he was a humorist. And then the quote from Jerry Clower was: "He said I don't tell funny stories; I tell stories funny."
0: I and, I, I know that I know that that exists, but I I completely disagree.
1: I mean, he did tell funny stories, but the, I think what he was talking about was he always had the hook and the part of the story that was really funny which was a funny story but all the stuff up until that like i'm from east fork mississippi and Amit county and da 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 i mean like he's just that's not funny stuff but it, he told it funny mm-hmm. i think that's what he meant you
0: yeah, know i got you but he like there's an interview where i can't remember if it was larry david or, or jerry seinfeld talking about the writing of seinfeld okay and that they eventually realized that when someone goes somewhere, like you can't have a scene in a bowling alley because something needs to happen there. Because they have to be in the bowling alley for a funny reason. I see. And then something funny can happen at the bowling alley. Everybody has to be somewhere for a funny reason. I see. Right? You yeah. don't just have it set... For no reason in a bowling alley, so that someone can meet someone's mom. It's like they go to the bowling alley for. A, and if you if you watch Curb Your Enthusiasm, everywhere they go, like they're already there for a funny reason, and then something funny happens.
1: There. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Like Clower, I mean, probably my favorite Clower story is the the guy that uses the monkey to hunt raccoons. Yeah, the monkey with the pistol and the flashlight. Yeah. Okay, like they're out. There's a funny punchline, but they're out in the swamp for a funny reason, because a guy is like, I can hunt, I can kill more coons than anybody with this monkey, than anyone with a dog, right? So they're out in the swamp for a funny reason. Like he follows, and he was doing his way before those guys were doing it. But I'm saying like, he he follows the roadmap like, of comedy. Yeah, well he did it. it too. He's like, it's like it, he is uh he's pioneering for sure. But he's definitely like, like has a whole,
2: he, he's like a honed craft. He's got a different approach though too. Okay. And I touched on this uh, a bit last night, but it's like, it's like a fable, right? And he starts with like the basis of something and he's like, oh, but wouldn't it be funny if it happened like this, mm-hmm. and this is the end result? Sure. So, do you, when Norm Macdonald passed away, I was watching a lot of Norm Macdonald.
0: Oh, I'm still, I'm still, I'm still doing it,
2: and uh, <laughs> I can't stop. <laughs> like Co- Conan O'Brien uh, posted this thing. He's like the funniest guest was Norm Macdonald, and it, and he laboriously tells this joke, and and it's it's a joke that you've heard in some way before. And it's like a fly walks into um, like a barber shop and is telling telling the barber about all the bad things in his life and everything. And and the barber's finally like, well, you know, next door is the therapist's office. <laughs> and he says, I know. And he keeps telling him about it. And he says, no, next door is the therapist's office. He said, why are you in the barbershop? And he said, well, because he had the light on, <laughs> right? So it was a moth, right? Oh it was a moth. But Norm MacDonald tells it on live TV. And as if the whole other world only showed up to hear this, like, whatever story of his. And it's so belabored. And it is, it is one of the funniest funniest things yeah. I've seen in, in the telling. And yeah. so Clower... Kind of you know, it wasn't his joke. He just built up the 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 world around the it. The world around it. And, yep. yeah. and so Clower, like everybody's heard this anecdotal joke of uh, you know, I always say, you know, a couple of guys sitting around and go, Oh, nice shot. And the other guy turns around and goes, should see me with my right hand. Or mm, see me with my sure. left hand, right? Yeah. And it's like that is the joke. We've all heard it a gajillion times. But you put it in the context of like two people from different worlds out in the squirrel woods, bump into each other, have this moment together, and then should see me with my right hand.
1: Yeah. You know? he,
0: yeah, he like could dress up. He could take like a simple joke and dress it up and put it in an eight-minute context. But like the one I branched earlier, the, the suspender thing, that's not telling a story funny. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a kid who got a suspender. It's like it is funny. Yeah, yeah. That was for sure. In, a the, in the in the, the, the monkey
2: with a pistol, the, the and a monkey the pistol
0: and the flashlight isn't telling a story. <laughs> At the same funny. time, yeah, though, yeah. he
3: I mean he he covers both. He's such a musical performer too. He's yeah. he's very dynamic. His is the the highs yeah. are high and the lows are low, and you have to kind of strain to listen. To he yeah, he draws yeah. you in and pushes you away and brings you back in. Yeah, At Norm Macdonald, who's you know incredibly funny, has perfect timing. He's not dynamic in that way. He, yeah, he's, kind he's of very volatile. dry yeah. and deadpan. Oh, oh. Isn't that funny? F- yeah.
0: I got the, two. I I just realized two things I needed to tell you. You can get around to me when you want, but to help me remember McCulloch chainsaws. Yeah. And details. So but say whatever you want, but well, just remember. I,
1: I was just gonna say I, I I wanted to make a whole section about it on the podcast, but his sound effects. Mm-hmm. He he when I listen to him, like I start to laugh inside every time he goes, Woo! <laughs> he, he, he kind of has a growling, <laughs> he's got man in that coon, Woo! came down that tree. I mean, you know, you just can't replicate that. Yeah. And, and you could tell it was so natural. And it was what, the most fascinating thing. And, and I wouldn't have known this about Clower, you know, that he, he was 45 years old. He, he was a fertilizer salesman for Mississippi Chemical and was just a funny guy. I mean, he had built a whole life, a whole life as just this country salesman.
4: He sounded like such a joyful spirit. Yeah, and maybe for all of those decades of his life, he soaked up a whole lot. I mean, honestly, I didn't. I didn't grow up in a chicken coop. I grew up in a concrete box, <laughs> and I had not heard of in New Jerry, York City. Yep, exactly. And somebody <laughs> from Yazoo,
1: Mississippi, doesn't just show up in New York City, Corinne.
3: And just to follow up on that, I, I my favorite I to part of the it. podcast, Clay, was listening to Brent Reeves recall him
0: meeting
1: their, their meeting Yeah, he sounded oh, so wistful yeah. and yeah. he
3: got emotional he remembered every tiny detail you a pretty boy I'll never forget
0: that
4: <laughs> 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 never I was
0: <laughs> you, that's the thing you cannot say to someone in the door no.
1: <laughs> you a pretty boy I was <laughs> like yeah I'll be taking off <laughs> <laughs> uh Crit, what what was your thought You had you ever heard of Jerry Collins? no
4: no, I I had not. Um, and my Shocker. First, yeah, my yeah, totally surprising, right? My first interaction with his comedy was listening to your episode yesterday,
0: which I had to pause.
4: Right, and to and give to your, go play the yep, chainsaw yep. monkey, <laughs> not oh. the cha- I had to pause it to play
0: the monkey story. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And
4: I was cackling. I mean, it was just his his delivery, his spirit. It just hearing him was so feel good and so funny. I. I was driving while listening, and it was probably a dangerous situation because uh, his the okra line about he eats so much okra that Boiled he couldn't, keep, okra, him, couldn't, couldn't, couldn't keep, keep his socks, socks up. up. I just
1: people in his I, county were too poor to I, sin. I
4: just, it's I, I don't know, you know the delivery, the energy, the everything, even if not necessarily relatable. He it seemed maybe after you know, starting late in his life that he perhaps had already uh, solidified to a great degree his confidence in in himself, his sense of who he was, and that his comedy was maybe so good because it was him being him and, and, and relaying, stories in a funny way or funny stories from the entirety and the breadth of his experience. I just found it so delightful.
1: You know, him being 45 too, our dinner guest last night, who was a comedian, he said that confidence is such an important part Mm. of comedy. Mm -hmm. Just being confident in who you are. And at 45, after dealing with, you know, all these farmers for all these years going and selling chemicals and and selling fertilizer like he was he knew who he was yeah, he didn't need I think to when he stepped into showbiz it was yeah. just a matter of shifting a few things around yeah. and mm-hmm. just kind of being who he was you know that's that, what was that so was cool refri- about him. yeah absolutely. fertilizer so business is a beautiful thing too right because he's
2: like he can walk into any co-op right and be like I know you need what I'm
1: selling <laughs> yeah and the question is s- do you
2: want to buy it from me
1: <laughs> I, bet some, I bet there's some stories all over the south of him, uh, uh, you know, in pe- his role of well of of people. I mean, his, sold in to. in his form, yeah, yeah. Stories of him as the salesman. Hey, yeah. lastly, well, we'll go. We'll end with your chainsaw stuff, but and man, de-
0: and details, real quick.
1: I was, it, I was very glad to. hear. I would not have known about Jerry's positions on race in the seventies. I just looked it up. I was just like, I, I just typed in something about that. And immediately it popped up some of his quotes and people saying Jerry was 30 years ahead mm-hmm. of race. I thought that was noteworthy. Yeah. He'd, he'd get, he'd get, I mean, I don't, he'd, he'd still get
0: canceled now if you listen to everything he does. Right. Like, cause like his jokes about women's liberation and stuff, they, yeah. they'd come after him pretty hard.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He wouldn't yeah.
0: say them, but they'd come after him hard about it. Right.
1: Yeah. Man, any of these comedians, you could, with a little historical revision, we just, Mm. wipe them out
0: you know his whole big joke about how good his wife's got it
1: yeah you, you don't want to mess with ma- <laughs> what mama's got cause yeah she loves his,
0: it. his like his whole thing is uh he looks at the woman's liberation movement and what they're after and then he talks about how how gravy his wife has
1: it yeah and he's like she don't want none of that shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 mcculloch chainsaws
0: oh just, it was funny in the show that you're talking about because that you associating Clower's chainsaw from the famous talking chainsaw um, and your old man having a McCulloch. So our family chainsaw was a McCulloch, mm. a yellow McCulloch. Yep, And uh, it was just funny because it was like we understood later that like it took note of the fact that Marcel's chainsaw was the. Chainsaw We Owned, which I don't know what the hell happened to that company.
1: Yeah. But I was in the the
0: chainsaw tree business for a lot of years and never Mm -hmm. laid eyes on another McCullough, as he puts it. Another thing you hit on uh, is his use of detail. And he's like a very good, in that way, a very good, technically proficient writer. Mm. And the thing I return to is his, like the coon hunting story, probably his most famous story his description of um the tree like if you listen carefully to his description of like how big the tree is he's so efficient but his yeah. like how big the tree is the person that's going to climb the tree what their attitude is about tree climbing when they take off their shoes they don't just take off their shoes they take off a pair of brogan shoes yeah yeah which was like the poor working persons it told you who this guy was most fu- it was like the most functional like poor it'd be like if you were like when I was a kid it'd be like he took off his hush puppies right and you'd be yeah. like got it like yeah I know everything about that kid now I know about that kid's parents sensibilities like he took off his tough skins okay you'd be like got it like I know that person's parents I grew up with that yeah. person he takes off a pair of Brogan shoes. And then the thing, too, that he says, and I pointed this out, I told Corinne about this later, is, um, you know, Sweetgum's got smooth bark, kind of like a soft, smooth bark, and that he buries his toenails into the bark <laughs> <laughs> to yes. start climbing it. It's like just this is like beautiful build of like very telling details.
1: You know, as I said that, I was envisioning like trying to tell a Kun story like him and i i had the same thought about how efficient he was even with detail because sometimes someone tells a story and you're like okay come on mm. speed it up like too much you know there's too much detail and he he would give you just the right amount of detail in the places you needed it and then skip sure i mean it, it, it's just natural like I, I i doubt he sat down and really thought about it much it was just instinctual but a lot of his a lot of his you know comedy the different routines were like under two minutes, like the chandelier one that, on.
3: That is a perfect joke. The, the, the <laughs> chandelier story. Like the, the, it's that, those... that's
1: like a minute and 50 yeah. seconds.
3: Yeah. I, I just, I, it's not, I mean, no one really likes to hear someone break down a joke and tell you why it's funny, but uh, i I love that he stands up, he's like well no one could spell chandelier anyway so I don't think I don't why are we doing this and you're like haha that's funny and also no one could play this chandelier and then as a listener you're like huh what and then the the, the end of the punchline I'd much rather spend the money on getting some lights in here it's it's just it's it's so it's
1: perfect and then as you heard from John Newman that That
3: actually happened word for word that was one
1: of the stories that just like straight up happened and Jerry just told it you know which is pretty amazing now, I, w- what I hope this does is everybody can go find some Jerry Clower. I, it would be hard. I think it would be hard for anybody to listen to that and not find some bit of enjoyment. Sure. I mean, yeah, well, I've, seen it, I've seen it happen.
0: I've seen it happen. Okay. Uh, every person that I, over the years, every person that like we travel with on the crew, I've I've subjected them to Clower. Most of them get something out of it. I've seen something where it just is like... this. Yeah. How? No connection. I don't know. Yeah.
4: Shut down. I watch them.
0: I watch, <laughs> watch them. probably I a watch troll. listen
1: <laughs> hoof trimmers on
4: the internet.
0: <laughs> I watch them <laughs> listen and I'm like is that type of I'm like person? it really this really like no part of this I, I, like I do think you have to have some connection to. Uh, I think you have no, to have some connection to rural life.
4: No, you just got to be a cold person if you oh, can't. Or, derive or, some or just your. Or yeah,
2: I was at cold uh, blood running through your <laughs> veins. Yeah, the pheasants forever, quail forever deal. Talking a couple weeks ago, and over and over, I had a bunch of uh, little talks on the stage there, and over and over again, people would be like, well. How to any tips for getting first time hunters into and it's kind of like this Jerry Clower thing. Like, I don't understand how you couldn't like it. And for me, upland bird hunting is the same way. I'm like, lots of exercise, beautiful country, dogs, doing doing their dog thing, <laughs> doing the thing that they're made to do. And my success rate in taking first-time upland bird hunters out who, like, really want to go again is next to zero. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Cold. I was like, Boy, oh, he walked
0: all over the, Lord of the Damn place and shot my gun once. Jerry,
1: like, and I got Jerry Clower was a big quail hunter man. Mm. I we we don't have time to get into it, but he he said something that I thought was great detail. I don't think I brought it up in the episode, but when in the story of when he had to shoot Uncle Versy's mule when yeah. he had to put it down, Uncle Ver he went to Uncle Versy's and said, "Hey, we're gonna." We're going to hunt on your property. And Uncle Versi goes, oh, that's great. There's seven or eight coveys between here and the road. I thought that was a – that's that's something somebody would say. Seven that's, or eight coveys between here and another, the road. That was another
0: – I know you're trying to wrap it up. That was another running joke with me and my friends in just like teenage years is dealing with landowners and trying to get permissions. It was a joke where it's like only people that do that would get how receptive – when he goes to get permission – Oh, I'm so glad you come out and hunt my place. <laughs> God like, bless only, you, son. like only, like only <laughs> someone who's like dealt with like permissions all the time would find it funny that like Jerry goes to get permission <laughs> and the guy's like, "So glad you're here." Yeah, we've been saving them
1: for you. Yeah,
2: that's that's you're doing <laughs> me a service.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's great. Man, there's so many jewels inside of that, uh, and so it's been a lot of fun. Thank you guys for being on the Bear Grylls Surrender. Oh, it's great! Claire. Thank uh, you, much appreciated. Yeah, I hope the uh, the original
3: crew doesn't have too much of a problem. No, this is lot yeah. it was, it was it was a lot better. lot better. Anything than y'all, than y'all <laughs> would like to
1: say? A lot, lot better to the than <laughs> What's that? <laughs> to the pork rats? The original <laughs> pork rats? The cracklins The cracklings. Uh, uh, yeah, here's yeah. here's how to do it
0: right, boys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> and lady.
0: They're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose Interstate. Head to
1: interstatebatteries.com and find your power today. This show is sponsored in part by BetterHelp. Around New Year's, we get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we've already done right. Maybe you finally organized one part of your space and you want to tackle another. Or maybe you're taking your supplements every morning and now you actually want to eat breakfast. In the last year, I've been more diligent about going to the gym on a regimented schedule. And it's made a lot of difference in my life. Therapy helps you find your strengths so that you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. Therapy is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit betterhelp.com slash grease today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash grease.